Good morning. Welcome here. Welcome to those joining us here. Welcome to Breakthrough City Church. Welcome to the people along the coast there, Courtney. And uh, welcome to those guys in Tromsberg. Welcome to the people in Lesotho and there in Europe. Welcome to you guys. Welcome to the Schweizers as well in Switzerland. Um, welcome to those who are going to be listening to these messages. Um, so this morning I'm going to actually share a message um, just what we've been building, remember what's so important about the apostolic. Um, it has nothing to do with any titles or things like that. It has to do with grace and function. And uh, what has been happening, and a very important part about the apostolic, goes about how you build. Because the kingdom of God has been built, and line upon line, precept upon precept. So the kingdom of God is something that gets built. So that is so important to understand um, that one of the main characteristics about the apostolic is building, construction. And guess what? This is a construction site, and it is a building. It's the house of God. It's a place that has been built up and the dwelling place of the Most High. So that is what the local church is supposed to look like. It is a dwelling place of the Most High. It is not just a gathering of people. All right, so today I'm going to share just a message on uh, it will be a two-part message uh, I'll share today, and then I should be sharing next week on this as well. Um, but it is the way we've been building the last number of months. We've touched on the whole thing about the seven domains of influence. So that means you and I, as the church of God, we have to bring about transformation in a practical way. It is not just gathering on a Sunday or going to the cell group and, uh, or something like that and we're changing the world because pretty much we aren't actually always changing the world. It is something practically that we are doing that um, we are actually being actively bringing about reformation on these different domains. And we spoke about those different domains. Please follow the messages in the last couple of months about the seven mountains of the Lord or domain. So that is practically how we bring about influence and change and transformation. It is not about just sitting in a building on a Sunday. And uh, it is a, basically a blueprint for what I believe the church has moved into a number of years ago uh, and is what I believe the church will be moving in the next number of decades. Uh, the body of Christ will be moving into, and that is this influence on these different domains in, the, in society and the world. So there's a roadmap already. It is not a place of let's gather, build a bigger building, fill the building, and we put the flag up and we built an empire. We're not building an empire, we're building the kingdom of God. So this is so important and crucial of how we build. Remember, this is a place, it's a construction site, it is not just stones that are lying around you are living stones god is calling you in the local house to build up a spiritual house because from the local house the local church he invades planet earth he invades the city he brings about transformation so that is why our lives are being transformed that is why our lives are that's why we call to make disciples not to make converts it's easy to be to make babies. But it's a different story to be a mother or a father. And unfortunately, we've been making many babies, converts, and we've never raised up generations to bring about reformation. Unless your and my life is transformed, can we only transform society? 
So many people sit in a place they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. Depends how long you serve the Lord. So that is the thing about what is the aim. It is that we become and mature like Christ. Ephesians chapter 4. I won't read that. But you can have a look from verse 11. Um, also when Jesus ascended. He ascended. He gave the fivefold ministry or fivefold grace. Uh, and and it is there, these, these, these ministries are to equip and train each one of us so that we we'll actually have our function. So do you, do you realize when each of us are not functioning, we don't function? So you can say, I'm a, I'm a heat-seeking missile. Or you can say, I'm a hairdryer. doesn't matter. Each one has a function. But unless you know how to function, you cannot do what your potential is. Isn't that so? So you can say you're a heat-seeking missile and sit next to a heater. And you're not doing the function of what a heat-seeking missile should be shot out, shooting down a plane. You know, it's, do you understand? Same as a hairdryer. Hairdryer can stand hanging there or next to your bed or on the shelf and it doesn't have function. So it is so important to be trained and equipped so that you know you, what you must do. That is what happens in the local church. If you're not being equipped and trained, then you're in the wrong place. You've got to function. You can't be a hairdryer, I'm a hairdryer, I'm a hairdryer, I'm a hairdryer, and then die and go to heaven. You have a function. All right, let me, let me just go there. I see some of you looking at me like a, a, a new gate that a cow's looked at. What is this? So this is a well-known, it's one of the probably most well-known scriptures that... We always share. Let me just read this to you. Yeah, oh, Doing this with one hand doesn't always work so well for me. All right, you can just turn with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, it says this from 11, verse 11. And he himself, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Verse 12, for what? For the equipping of the saints for... The work of ministry. You're being called to ministry. Every single one. If you're born again, you're in the ministry. So you have work of the ministry. Okay. For what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Then it says, verse 13, Till, say till, till, we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to what? To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That speaks about this maturity that you and I are becoming to. Then it says, verse 14, that we should no longer be tossed, uh, sorry, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. plotting. So a lot of people are confused and are deceived. Because they do not have the equipping and training. They have uh, a sermon, but not a message. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up. Say grow up. Grow up. We're all called to grow up. You can't be 60 years old and like a, 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 a toddler running around. Many times Christians are like that. They're toddlers with 60 or 20 or 30 or 40 year old bodies. So we need to grow up. 
in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So if we're the body, he's the head. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what? Every joint supplies. There's something you supply. Every joint supplies something. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. There's a share that you play and have. Causes what? Growth of the body. For what? For the edifying of itself in love. And it carries on. And it carries on in this. Um, so this is su- such an important thing to understand about what the Firefall Ministry is doing in that. Now, um, I'm, I'm speaking about f- today and tomorrow about uh, apostolic eschatology. And just... It's not any fancy words. All it means, it, it speaks about what is the apostolic blueprint to understand what it means to be in the end times. Eschatology is end time teaching. Okay? And there's a lot of weird things going on in the present world and teachings that you can check online. There's so many books that have been written about end times. And this is what we've been building, like I said, the last couple of months to understand what is the church and the purpose and the role of the church? What are we supposed to be doing? What is this culture of revival and how does it have legs to walk out into society? How does each one of us have a role in this? So this is so important. I'm not, speaking of, I'm not teaching today anything about the function of an apostle. I'm not speaking about that. Okay. So I'll touch on one or two of those things, but that's not what I'm speaking about today. I'm speaking about the end time thinking and purpose of, and what it means about the apostolic. Because, you know, sometimes churches are called that, and people are called that, and titled, and business cards say that. But what does it actually mean, the end time teaching? What is the blueprint? Remember, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 says, the apostolic and the prophetic lay the foundation. They are the foundation. They lay this. They lay this truth. It is then the pastorals, the teachers, evangelists that take what the doctrines are, the apostolic, they continue daily, breaking of bread, but they also continued in the apostolic doctrine, meaning there's certain foundational things laid of which the teachers, the evangelists, the pastors go and they teach on. All right, so make sure who's laying the foundation and what is a foundation in the kingdom. Very important because we're building. Okay, so... Yeah, it's this construction site. God is busy doing stuff. So what is the apostolic uh, um, eschatology? Um, firstly, the Bible speaks about how Jesus calls 12 disciples. And then he goes on and Jesus calls these 12 disciples apostles. He didn't call them patriarchs. Just think about this. He could have called them one of the, you know, you guys are going to be patriarchs because from you, this is going to happen. He didn't call them, we're calling you priests. Just We're going to call you a priest in the context of like Old Testament. He calls them apostles. Um, why is it then that there's no people called apostles in the Old Testament? Now we say like maybe Moses was a type of an apostle or a type. But why is it that in the Old Testament then it's not said? You see, one of the main reasons was that the word apostle had not yet been invented. Okay, it had not been invented yet, the word apostle. 
So, firstly, it is actually the Greeks that invented the word apostle. So this is going to give you a clear understanding today. This is actually what it apostolic means, basically, when it, with regard to the end times. So firstly, it's the Greeks that come, they come up with this word apostol, apostle. And basically what the word apostle means is sent one. Apostle means sent one. Jesus is the great apostle, okay, because he's sent. He was sent by the Father to planet Earth. Um, and what happened was the Romans went and they picked up this word. So the Romans now came and they actually picked up this Greek word about apostle when they were conquering the world. And what, what was quite interesting is that while the Romans they were conquering cities, towns, villages, nations. Um, when they went back to these towns, villages, and nations, they, they, they said, but listen, these places we've conquered, conquered, but they're still doing the same thing, what they were doing before we came here. So they started to see this, but, you know, we're conquering the world, basically, the known world, but when we come back, these cities and towns aren't looking like our city and town. So, what they did is, um, what they realized is that they had to change something. And that was, when they conquered villages, towns and nations, they realized they have to also change the culture. Because as they changed the culture, the people started to do the same as the Romans. Okay? So it wasn't we're going to invade, we're going to just do this, we're going to put up our... They went to, they realized they have to change the culture of what the people do there in the towns, the villages, the cities. Um, because they were saying, these, these guys, these people aren't acting like Romans. So... These Romans, they pick up this idea from the Greeks. And the idea is that when conquering the people, we need to also culturalize them. We have to bring in our culture. Okay, so um, when they brought in the culture, they pretty much acted like the Romans. And when the, the Romans would come into that region, they had the same culture. When they came back to the village or the town, they had the same culture. What was also interesting that some of the generals, the Roman generals, they were also called, not all of them, but some of the generals were actually also called apostles. Some of the Roman generals. Because they had a function. Okay, so when the generals uh, were, were sent out, what they were actually, what happened when these generals went into the towns, villages, nations, with the generals, it wasn't just an army. With these generals, they had musicians. They had uh, people that were politicians. They had, had people that were artisans. Would go with them. You can go look in Europe even now, and east, uh, in parts of, uh, touching Eastern Europe, those places, how they are still Man, there's still roads that are existing today that were built by the Romans. Still existing and are used today. <laughs> Ish. You know, we can learn something. 
But you understand, there's, there's, there's still evidence of what has taken place. So um, what happened was there was this governmental team that would actually culturalize cities, villages, nations. And as they conquered the cities and the nations, they actually made those towns, villages, nations look like Rome. That's what they were doing. If you went to that part of the, uh, Europe or in the known world, you go, oh, that looks like Rome. You go to that part, it looks like Rome. All right? So, apostle means sent. Okay? But they were sent from one place to another place to actually produce in that place from the place they were sent. That's what they were doing. That's all they did. This is what we have. When we go to this place, this is what we reproduce here. That's what was happening there. So in Mark chapter 11, you can read it in Mark chapter 11 verse 1 and 2. Uh, it says this, Jesus said to his 12 disciples, he said, you are my apostles. And what he did is he sent, uh, basically, which means sent from me. So yeah, he calls the 12, the 12 apostles. What it means, listen, he says, I'm sending you. That's, he says, I'm calling you the apostles, my apostles. What does apostle do? He's been sent from me. That's what he was saying to his disciples. All right? And they then asked Jesus the following thing. They go and they ask Jesus, but you know, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And this is actually, we know this in Matthew chapter 6, this is actually one of the only prayers that Jesus says, I want you to learn something. I want to teach you how to pray. This is actually one of the recorded prayers. That he teaches his disciples. And he says to them, so it's not the prayer of Jesus. It's not the Lord's, you know, it's a prayer that he taught them. Okay. And um, in Matthew 6, he says to them, in this prayer, he says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's, this is actually an apostolic prayer. Do you understand? Do you understand the concept and the understanding even of the time that Jesus stepped into time? He stepped into that, the influence where the Greeks had been and also the Romans. And he starts to speak. They understood what he's saying. They understood it because in the Old Testament they didn't necessarily understand. In the New Testament, suddenly the time, everything was, I understand. Oh, apostle sent one. I'm now representing heaven. What is in heaven, it must come down here on earth. So that is this apostolic prayer. Now the thing is also, the Bible says that we are seated, we are born again, are seated in Christ, where? In heavenly places. All right? So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray, it must be on earth as it is in heaven. 
We are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Remember, how do you know what he is like in heaven? We live there. Now, this is the thing I'm saying. There's, there's, there's more and more. This is what John says, I was caught up. We can experience what is in heaven on earth because we seated. Positionally, we are seated in Christ in heavenly places. So we're supposed to represent, it's like uh, the example we gave you about the mountain of celebration. Where I spoke, gave you an example of Akiana, that little girl. I think how old she was, four or five, when she was caught up and saw in heaven what Jesus, saw Jesus in heaven. Came in and that, as a young kid, she painted the picture of, of Jesus. And she said, this is Jesus. I saw him in heaven. But she was on earth. Okay? The word of God says we are in Christ. We are seated in Christ in heavenly places. Now, I'm telling you, a lot of us and the church of God is coming into this, that we would live from our position in heaven and that experience on earth. That means there is, an, there is access we have to heaven. Heaven is the reality of not just the place, but the person. Just understand that very clearly. Heaven is heaven because of the person, Jesus Christ. Not because of the beauty. Because if you go to a beautiful place when you die one day, and Jesus isn't there, it is not heaven. You've got to understand that. The presence of God is everywhere in heaven, manifested, full. It's Him. So, here it is. We can experience the things of heaven. So, there's things that, whether it's dreams that we have of, of things of heaven, whether we awake and we have a trance, we see something in heaven. The reality is we, we just don't believe sometimes what we experienced. So, God is actually inviting you and me to experience Him. Because that's our position. Guys, I'm not, uh, this is what the word says. So just let's take on the word and let's say, God, well, if this is the invitation, this is what I need to experience in my walk with you. So, my, you know, the thing is, uh, what we say is that, yes, okay, we live in heaven, meaning that we are in Christ, seated in Christ. So when we die, what happens? We do go to heaven, yes. But it is also true, I'm already in heaven. That's what the word says. I'm seated in Christ. I'm a new creation. My destiny is heaven. But my ministry is heaven on earth. And this is where I, 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 I so, I, I, you know, it's just where the body is so, so short-changed, where in the church that I see is that we, we read about something, but our experiential truth is not always the same. And God is saying, this is it. I made a way for you. I am the way. I am the truth. So they, I'm, I really believe the church that we, that we, and as a church, how we're moving into, we're going to encounter God even in greater ways to experience, not when we're dead, going to heaven, but we're going to experience things on earth 
This is what the word says. And our experience has to match this word. Okay? Good. So, God, what is, what is he telling us? He's called us, you and I have been called to bring heaven to earth until what? Until the kingdoms of this world are the kingdoms of our God. Do you understand? Jesus is not going to do this. We are the body of Christ. It is his body. We are the spiritual body of Jesus. If you, some of us don't understand. We are the body, the spiritual body of Christ on earth. Abide in me and I in you. I say, you don't have to squeeze a banana to be ripe. It is as it abides that it actually transforms. John 15. And when you abide, you bear fruit. So how do I know if I'm fruitful? How are you abiding? I can, I can measure, I can see people's relationships with God by the fruit. Simple as that. You don't have to tell me I love Jesus and I do. I look at the fruit. Our lives are the book. Our lives are the message. The word became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. The word of God becomes flesh and transforms you and me. That we start to look like him. We start to act like him. We start to speak like him. That's it. Disciple is a follower of Christ. We look like him. So in Matthew 28 verse 18 and 19. Matthew 28 verse 18 and 19. We know this scripture in that well. And it speaks about where, you know, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me. Where? In heaven and on earth. And this was when? When did this happen? This happened after the resurrection. Isn't that so? Jesus had been raised from the dead. And he, he tells his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Who gave him the authority over the earth? Who gave Jesus the authority over the earth? The devil did. Okay? Jesus had just been raised from the dead. He comes and he tells the disciples, go therefore, make disciples. He says, all authority I received in heaven and earth. But who gave him authority on earth? The devil did. You see, the devil took that authority from who? From man, from Adam and Eve. Isn't that so? And God gave authority to Adam and Eve. Isn't that so? In Genesis. God gives authority to Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 1 says this. God said, listen to me carefully what I'm going to say. In Genesis 1 it said, God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Isn't that so? So, yeah, in Genesis 1 is the original commission. What were we doing on earth? What was Adam and Eve supposed to come and do on earth? What are you not supposed to do on earth? 
the original commission was, let us make man in our image. Let them rule over every creeping thing on the earth. Who's supposed to rule over every creeping thing on the earth? Man. Who's the creep that is crawls on earth? The creep is the devil. Isn't that so? All right. So every creeping thing on earth, we know is the devil. He's the creep. So when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they did not just disobey God. What happened? They obeyed the devil. And that is why they came under the power of the devil. That is how they lost the authority. That's why the last Adam had to come to take back that authority. Because God gave authority to man, the only way to get authority back is to take it back as a man. Um, I think it's Graham Cook. He, he said a thing that the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man could become the sons of God. So the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that the sons of man can become the sons of God. So Jesus went, what do we know? The word says when he was crucified, he went down into Sheol or Gehana. Okay? Uh, remember, hell is not prepared yet, just by the way. Just by the way. This is like hell, Sheol, the one is in the Hebrew word and the one is a Greek word. The lake of fire is being prepared for Satan. Okay, so um, this is the place of the dead, the unrighteous. This is where he goes down and he takes back the keys. He takes back authority. He takes back the keys from the devil. The authority that, uh, that was stolen from uh, Adam and Eve. And uh, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, we've spoken about this before, where remember the devil said to Jesus when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, the devil says to Jesus, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you what? The kingdoms. I'll give you the kingdoms of this world. For they are given to me. That's what it says. So there it says, they were given to me. The kingdoms were given to me. It was given by what happened with Adam and Eve. So the devil had to give this back. He had to give the authority back because he had received it it was given to him Matthew 28 18 says when Jesus rose from the dead it says he said I basically he said listen I got the keys back boys I got the keys back and he says all authority has been given to me and he said basically I did in heaven but now I've got it on earth he had it in heaven, but he had to get it now on earth again. He had it in heaven, all authority. On earth he had to get it and he got it from the devil. The devil had to give the authority back. Are you with me? 
Okay, we're on the same page. Then it says here in uh, uh, Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, it, it speaks about all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And, it, and then he says, go therefore. Now, remember the word therefore always refers or relates to the previous thought. Okay, for those who do English, I know some of us, like me, needed more. He says, go there. He says, therefore, and it relates to this previous thought. What did he just say? He speaks about authority. He says, I have all authority. I say to you, make disciples of all nations and teach them everything I taught you. This is apostolic. Jesus is saying, I have this, I've taught you, I've received this authority, I've taught you things, therefore go, apostolos. What makes the Great Commission great is that we're not just saving people, we are saving nations. We are impacting domains. Did you hear what I said? We are not it's not the message of salvation. It's the message of the kingdom. Did you hear what I said? It's not just about salvation. In the kingdom message is salvation. People need to get saved. They need to know Jesus. But there's a kingdom being established on earth as it is in heaven. Every time we have a war... Um, or an earthquake, or a natural disaster. People think, guess what? This is it. The Lord is coming. Oh, was it only me? Was it, I'm saying. You know what I'm speaking about. You know what I'm speaking about. There's this natural disaster. This is it. This is it. This is it. I mean, I would, I've been over months, the beginning of the year, in last year, I would get messages from other people, not in this church, would send me stuff. Listen to the prophetic word now. I mean, the amount of times the economy in the world should have fallen is, I don't know how many times all the prophetic words that were sent from people across the world. But how many times that, that uh, the end of the world it should have, I mean, 101 reasons why the Lord is Jesus coming in the year 2000. I mean, there's books written like this. Then he doesn't come. 102 reasons why the Lord is coming in 2001. Like, crazy. There's books like this. So, we need, if we don't know the purpose of the church, we cannot understand end time teaching. Are you with me? Then I can't, because if I'm given prophetic word, make sure the prophetic word is not capturing from the second heaven but from heaven itself. And whatever prophecy I receive must be in context of the word of God. I can't use scripture to suit my narrative. So, I mean, what we've seen across the world at the moment, you know, people things, think this is it. Now, I mean, how many eruptions we've seen lately? Volcanic eruptions. How many, I mean, right now, what the, there's another issue Fighting in Israel, missiles landing there again. Every number of months or couple of years, it's like, this is it, this is it. We're getting the third temple ready to be built. Just wait, it's waiting. And I mean, people have these intense teachings about, you know, this has been built, that's getting there, and they're just hiding it away, and it's the end. 
You cannot take a scripture out of its context and you cannot build a theology which is inaccurate and is based on teachings and not doctrines of the apostles and prophets. Ephesians 2.20. It's inaccuracy. Ephesians 4. I've just told you a lot of people have been tossed because fear is what causes you to sway. So, guess what? Um, you must understand this. Negative things are not only the signs of the times. Many people are reading into end times. They're reading only negative events in, in Scripture. Well, what about the promises? What about the good things? Ah, there's actually good things in the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and join the Holy Ghost. And, and, and how does the kingdom look? It is not just what you are experiencing in our own personal walk with God. It is a tangible reality, heaven on earth breaking out. These domains becoming the kingdoms of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the word says. Just hang on there. Just keep your safety belts on. So, negative things are not only the signs, okay, of the times. So, when Jesus called the disciples apostles, right, the context was what? That they were to transform the culture. They were supposed to transform business. They were supposed to transform Government. They're supposed to transform education. They were supposed to transform family. They're supposed to transform the, 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 the mountain of worship or religion. They're supposed to or transform the creative arts. That's what, he was speaking. That's what they had to do. That's what we have to do. On earth as it is in heaven. You see, people think... If you plant many churches, you're an apostle. Okay? Guess what? You can plant or have planted many churches. It doesn't make you an apostle. What does it make you? It makes you a church planter. Alright, I said before... I'm, this, is, I'm not, this message is not about what is an apostle. It is about a, apostolic eschatology or end time teaching. So, what makes you apostolic? Right? What makes you apostolic? Not an apostle. What makes you apostolic? Is that you transform culture. Whatever these domains are, that you, if you're in business, if you're education, you're transforming the culture, what's happening there. And we shared months, two months about this, those domains. So, um, apostles are also fathers, that's true. Spiritual fathers. And apostles do signs and wonders. They also do that. But, some of you are fathers, but you're not apostles. And all of us are supposed to be doing signs and wonders and miracles. 
It's not the few frozen chosen. It's all of us. We are in this together. We are all called to be ministers of God. What makes an apostle apostle? It's that he has a mission from heaven to transform culture. So, people who are in submission to the mission, they get commissioned. So we've had it over in many ministries over many years. Uh, people would come in, even to the house, or people involved in other churches. When they never come into submission, they never get commissioned. So people get equipped, and they, get, they find the giftings, they find the anointing, they find the skills, and they go. But they don't understand when you submitted to the assignment, that's where the mission or the commissioning comes in. Major thing in the ministry, I can tell you, that I've seen many people derailed in the ministry in the last 33 years because of this one. They haven't caught this one. Okay? So, people are sent. Apostolic is being sent. You equipped, you trained, you commissioned, you're sent. Because you submitted to what God was doing in the house. And the mission is that we bring heaven to earth. All right. So the end times. This is literally, I'm just busy with the intro at the moment. Uh, you need to understand this. I'm going to get into some of the meat still. So the end times to understand, okay, end times. So un this is a bit of an understanding what is apostolic actually mean. That is not some title, position, or word. But the thing about end times is that... Um, if you and I create an idea that things, listen to me, this is scary. If you and I are creating an idea that things must get worse and get more worse, our eschatology is actually working against the mission. I don't know if you heard what I said there. If your end time teaching is, is basically uh, that everything must get worse on earth. That everything must go bad. Everything must fail. Then you're actually working against the mission to what the church is supposed to do on earth. Because most people are working with an eschatology, eschatology end-time teaching that everything must get so bad. You and I as the church have agreed with what the enemy is doing on planet earth. And you don't realize you and I are the agents of change. We bring reformation and change. And now everyone's waiting for Jesus. If I think things must get worse and worse, how do I go into my city to actually make things better? How do I have any hope for South Africa? How do I have any hope for the business in South Africa or economy? How do I have any hope for nations in the world if my 
end time teachings is that everything must just get worse. What hope? Why do I do what I do then? Then I might as well go hide in a cave somewhere and buy baked beans and sweet corn and eat for the rest of my lifetime. Do you, do you understand where I'm going here? Because that is what I hear in the body of Christ. Is this like, you know, the doom and gloom. Everything's coming apart. Did you hear what happened in that nation? And that president there? And this one said this. And Have you seen Europe? Have you seen those earthquakes? Have you seen the tsunamis? Have you, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I, I actually, what about, what about our children? We've created such a doom for our children. Come on. What message or what spirit is that from? Because it is not the spirit of God. God is a God of hope. God is a God of preservation. God is a God of joy. Do you understand the messages that seem to be coming through? So, if I'm actually agreeing with all everything that is going wrong, listen to me what I'm saying. I am actually delaying the return of Jesus. Did you hear what I said? If my eschatology is everything that must go bad, all the economies, everything must just collapse. I've said, even when systems fail, there will always be wealth and finances. All right? Because there will be systems that fail. Banks that will fail. Yes. But I want to tell you something. If this thinking and speaking as believers is about everything must go wrong, I'm actually delaying the return of Jesus. Because all these governments, all these kingdoms must become our, the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I've said to you before, a lot of us are putting all the worst things that happen on planet earth for us. And all the promises of the good things of God in the millennium. Come on. That, you know, when Jesus returns, everything's going to do all of this. No, no, that's not what he said, yeah. That's not the commission he gave to the apostles to do, to train and equip people to actually do. Bring heaven, let this place look like that place. And so we're living for a place in doom and gloom. And why do you think, let me tell you something. The condition of our city or the condition of our nation is a direct result of the condition of the church. That means you and me have this responsibility. And we agree with, you know, is, this is going to just get worse. No, 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 it's not. Can I, can I just put this other safety belt on? So I said, if you're thinking like this, you're delaying actually the return of Jesus. Then I also want to tell you something. And this is a thing that worked in my life. I said this many years ago, I actually used to. Because as, even before I got saved, I always knew if something went good, well, with me, something's going to go wrong. N none of you ever experienced that. It's like when, this is just too good to be true. But I know something bad's going to happen anyway. And when I got saved, sometimes there was this thing about, you know, it's like, oh, this money's coming in to actually because you're, because the problem's going to come soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, this, this windfall of finances is coming because actually, you know, God's providing because there's a problem coming. Do you know what that is called? That is a foreboding spirit that gives us a sense of impending doom. 
Yeah, you know, ESCOM, South African Utility, for those overseas, ESCOM is just falling. Listen, when you and I agree with everything, and listen, I'm not saying as a Christian, put your head in the sand eh? and just hide away. But I want to tell you something. There's things that we agree with that are more negative. We, why do you think it goes like the condition, the spiritual condition of the church determines the actual spiritual condition of a city or a nation? If the church has agreed with everything going wrong in South Africa or any nation, where two more agree, that's what will happen. And we're blaming politicians. And we're blaming race. And we're blaming the past. It's in every nation the same thing. Not just South Africa. Oh, did you see? The fuel price has gone up. Oh, but it also came down. No one rejoices over that. Oh, but you know, um, oh my goodness, the time's running out. I'm going to crash land almost. Just give me four minutes. So, you know, it's like, you know, all the water pipes in winter seem to be breaking the city. Oh my goodness. More of them. And you've seen the water's gone up as well. I, I can't water my lawn anymore and I, I can't whatever. It's become too expensive. And you know, the rand dollar, the, the rand is so weak now. You know, and, 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 and it's, things are so expensive. And uh, make sure what you're agreeing with. Because I know a lot of people are agreeing with what I just said. And you've just enforced what, a, uh, uh, um, what this foreboding spirit does. You've agreed with it. I'm anxious and I'm fearing what's going to happen in this week. I'm fearing what's going to happen at school or whilst you, or at my business. Well, you've just agreed with the wrong thing. That's how foreboding spirit works. Can I give you some facts? Okay, There's truth and facts, but these are wonderful facts. Do you know that we are living so well now on planet Earth? compared to 100 years ago. Okay? Just give you some facts, because some of us are a bit upset about, uh, like me, tax return I have to pay now in. Okay? <laughs> uh, or you're upset about whatever. Let me tell you, 100 years ago, bad news, well, firstly, bad news sells well. Okay? That's why you hear a lot of bad news. So, um, do you know that the bad news you and I hear in one week in one week, the bad news you and I hear through social media or friends or whatever. 50 years ago, people would only have heard in their lifetime. What you're hearing, bad news in one week now. I'm giving you some facts. I, I've actually a, a, a visual thing on this thing. 100 years ago, or 50 years ago, what you hear now in one week, people heard in a lifetime 50 years ago. Bad things. Wow. Okay, um, that statistics will always tell you what is bad and not what is good. St statistics are the business. doesn't tell you what's good. It tells you what's most things that are bad. Okay, so this is what we, you know, this is stuff is thrown at us. Um, yes, there are bad things that happen in this world, and um, we need to embrace truth and not popular opinion. Because as we're embracing the popular opinion, oh, what did you see what the government said? Did you see what the president said? 
Make sure you don't agree with the wrong thing. Okay? So in the year 1800 to 2011, 1800 to 2011, the population of the world grew by from 1 billion to 7 billion. Okay. The year 1800 to 2011, the world population grew from 1 billion to 7 billion. In 1800, okay, 1 billion. 1800, sorry, 1800 to 1927, there was 1 billion people. 1800 to 1927, there was 1 billion people. You with me? In 1800 to 1927, 1 billion people. 1999 to 2011, listen, 1999 to 2011, the world population grew from 6 billion to 7 billion in 12 years. Okay, 1800 to 1927, there was 1 billion to 2 billion people. 1999 to 2011, the world population grew from 6 billion to 7 billion. So 1 billion in 12 years. 127 years it took for 1 billion people to be in planet Earth, okay? The infant death rate in 1900, so in 1900, never mind Middle Ages, in 1900, the baby death, the, the infant death rate was one in three babies died. One in three babies died in 1900. The birth rate has increased by over 700% now. Oh, things are going bad. In spite of abortions, in spite of wars, in spite of sicknesses, there are more people being born now. The average life expectancy, listen to this, 100 years ago in third world countries, 100 years ago in third world countries like South Africa, for example, you only live, the average age that you lived to was 29 years old. A hundred years ago, in third world countries. In first world countries, a hundred years ago, you only lived to the age of 38. Average. The point that I'm making is there are so many good things that are happening in the world. And no one is telling you about the good things. There's so many good things. It's like I'm saying, oh, yeah, the water went up, and you know, fuel went. Guys, you got cars. Oh, there's public transport. You don't have to get a horse or a mule. You don't have to go. Do, 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 there's just some basic things. There's like, well, I got a roof over my head. I don't live in some cave. I don't live in under some thatched whatever I do, but <laughs> but under some grass roof. If you hear what I'm saying. But do you understand? There's so many things going well for us, and yet we we choose. To agree many times with the spirit of aboding, the foreboding spirit. So, um, next week I'm going to just because I'm going to end off here. I'm going to actually get into some scripture concerning this end time things. I'm going to end off with this. 
a lot of people in their end time teaching use the following verses. They speak of the end of days. Okay? It says, and it will be like this in the end of days. And they build theology and teaching on that, those verses. There's a lot of them. But the Bible also speaks of the end, the last day. The people speak of the last of days, but the Bible also speaks about the last day, singular. And they confuse the two things. And next week I will get into this because a lot of theology has been based on the last of days and not the last day. All right, so that's just a bit of a carrot for you for next week and that, just to be open to. But I want to say, guys, doesn't matter how bad it's going now for you. Whatever you experience, it's better than people that lived in 100 years ago. And God has a specific plan and mission for you and me. And let's not lose hope in what we hear and what's even maybe happened physically to you. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. So, Father, I want to just pray for those watching online and those that are here this morning. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, that, that this word would not be uh, stolen. The seed will not fall on hard ground. I pray for our hearts to be open to have received this word and that there will be grace on this word. That, Father, that we will not be the church of hopelessness, but we will actually carry hope. That we will carry a message of the good news. And that, Lord, that we'll have, understand what it is that we've been sent and we have an assignment on planet Earth to make this place look like that place on Earth as it is in heaven. And, Lord, give us the grace to fulfill and to finish the assignment for each one of us before our expiry date. Let us walk in truth and not in fables. Father, I pray this for everyone watching and everyone hearing this message. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.